Welcome back, folks, to Two Bits, One Puck. I'm your host, Mr. Intangibles, a complicated man, and a giant scaring boy, Dan Masters, with my good friend, a man who doesn't know the show he's on has been released, and a man who revels in footy backstabbery. Will Everett Human, Will, how are you doing? I'm, I'm pretty hot, Dan. Pretty hot, not going to lie. It's, it's toasty. Twice this week, I have gone the majority of the of the day looking like an extra from Magic Mike. The, the sort of extra that isn't in shot, but like, you know, you've got to pad out the body set really to make it feel real. I was going to say what, like the pole, the stripper pole, were you the pole? <laughs> yeah, the, I, I wasn't shiny enough to be the pole, that's why I didn't didn't quite make it. Didn't quite make the cut in the final, in the final <laughs> bit. Like, what's that? So like when you get the kids playing the trees in a, in a fucking school play because they're shit acting. <laughs> I want to start this week with two other sportsmen in the news, which we didn't really touch on. One is an absolute bonehead and the other is an absolute ledge. We'll start with the bonehead first. Uh, have you heard about Novak Djokovic, Will? He, I heard he got diagnosed with um, the infamous COVID. He did indeed. We were aware that this was after he put on his own tennis tournament with no social distancing or max masks involved at all. And when questioned about it, he said, well, in my country, we've done everything really well, so it's fine. And, and then they went to a massive after party and yeah. everyone's just dancing together, limboing. And Luka Jokic was there, the uh, the, the NBA player. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. he also has it. So no they've just way. been spreading it around. That's beautiful. Are they, are they both... <laughs> Serbian, I want to say. Yeah, Serbian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's and, and I trust this. Yeah, and, and obviously Djokovic's wife has got it. There's some other tennis people who at the tournament have got it. There was people in the crowd who've got it, and it's all been traced back to one guy who I think he was a guy who helped organise it and was obviously there a lot during the event. It's like Novak got a bit of a high temperature and a bit of a scratchy cough. Um, I'm probably going to sit out today. No, 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 no. No, you're coming in. <laughs> And that's why Federer is the men's goat, you see. He's just retired to his Swiss mountain retreat with his wife and his kids, and he's just living, you know, just living in isolation, practicing on his uh, on his game. I, I don't think, as as much as Federer is quite undisputedly the men's goat for tennis, I, I, I don't think having retired before the worst global pandemic in 100 years sort of... No, no, aids. not retired, as in he's gone away for a rest, oh, like he, retired to oh, bed, well, not retired, retired. <laughs> Retired to bed. <laughs> Who fucking says retired to bed or retired anyway unless you're talking about literally giving up your profession? I don't know, Will. Some with a grasp of the English language, maybe. You absolute doll. How about that? No, it's all about fucking context clues, Dan. And we are talking about sport. And if you talk about retiring in sport, it's not like, it's not like oh, Sidney Crosby retired for a 45-minute break on the bench before a second shift. No. I'm going to start using that. <laughs> he's, he's, he retired in between his shifts. <laughs> he's, he's, uh, he's going to have to retire for five minutes after after that fighting match. <laughs> he's got yeah, he's got to retire now for, in between the period for about 15 minutes. <laughs> he's going to retire back to the locker room. <laughs> and during this brief retirement, we go to the studio. Elliot, how are you doing? I don't know. Sometimes these words just fall out of my gob. I used it right, though, and that's the main I mean, thing. I, mean, I used it correctly. That's what I'm happiest about. You were correct. Fair play. I'll, I'll give you that. It's just... It's poor writing, is, is what it is. I guess so. But Djokovic, what a fucking maroon. Jesus. That's pretty good. Who Who's the, uh, the absolute ledge, though? The absolute ledge this week is Marcus Rashford. Oh, yeah. Who, oh, crikey, yeah. Marcus Rashford, who... 
And now this seem this may seem crazy to some people. He got a bee in his bonnet about the government deciding that they're not going to feed children who can't afford food. Now, you know, the word headline grabber gets thrown around quite a lot. And this is clearly what Rashford's doing. I, I, you know, if, if you're going to believe the government, he should really just stick to his lane and not be bothered that over a million children were going to go hungry because they weren't at school and they were getting, so, you know, the school meals. So he decided to kick up a stink about it and got the government to do a U-turn. And he's a, an absolute ledge for it. What a lad. I'm, I'm just saying, yeah. <laughs> Ma- go Michael Gove doesn't tell Marcus Rashford how to take free kick, does he? He's not out true. He's not, he's I mean, not, that is true. He's not storming whatever fucking training ground United are training at and saying, right, Marcus, what you want to do is this, that, and the other. So is it really Marcus Rashford, a citizen of the UK, a citizen of the earth, is it really his place to suggest that we should feed impoverished children, most of whom have been made impoverished by the very government that are currently in power? But who, who's to say? Who is to say? Who who knows? It's, it's a real it's a real moral dilemma, I'd say. You know, in these in these crazy times, do you wear a mask or do you starve a child to death? It, you know, it, it's it's it sticks to one half a dozen of the other. Who who swings and roundabouts? I mean, who can say what's the right thing to do? Did, did you see that tweet by um? I think a guy's called a guy's name's John Danby. He's got a uh, he's got a picture from The Shining as his fucking avatar on Twitter. No, and the the tweet's something like. I've been asked to do a few things recently, like wear a mask, be anti-racist, stand up for trans rights, and I've got to say, it's really fucking easy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's, it's, it's things like that, right? the way you open it with, oh, Marcus Rashford says we should feed impoverished children. It's like, things like that where it's like, yeah, it's really, it's really that fucking easy. <laughs> like, it's, it's that easy. And if you are against that sort of stuff... You are exposing yourself as a literal cartoon supervillain. Yeah. Or, as I will sometimes throw this word around, a grade A cunt. How about that? It's, it's another way to refer to people. As, as we said, Dan, the English language is a marvellous thing. There are many that different, is true. different ways you can use words, different words you can use to mean the same thing. Yeah, to say Michael Gove think... is a cunt is, is thoroughly accurate. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think I think the real question here, Will, I think the real question we should be asking, I don't think this has been debated enough, is that should we feed children who might starve, or should we paint a Union Jack on a plane to show that we in Britain have planes with the Union Jack on them at the cost of about a million pounds? Again, who's to say what's the right thing to spend money on? Now, to play devil's advocate, Dan, the, Go on. the problem with feeding hungry children is, firstly... I've not met any children who've paid any taxes. Ah, good point. That's, I mean, that's just just from an economic standpoint. That's where I'd come at it from. And then, then secondly, from a more sort of human and and personal and and, and social sort of angle, who knows whether those children are going to grow up to be murderers? Also true. Uh, but think of it this way: What if one of those children grows up to be a really good plane painter? <sighs> And then they could paint the new Union Jack on the new plane, or a, or a uh, a skywriter, and they can spell out <laughs> ra- ra- racist messages above a Burnley, above football matches, <laughs> and really, really contribute to society. Oh God! 
What? I don't know if you've heard. It's been, it's been, it's been quite a couple of weeks for this country, folks, That's as you can maybe tell. Fucking, fucking incredible. And who could have seen it all revolving around the return of football? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true. So true. Oh, oh dearie me. White Lives Matter, mate. White Lives Matter is, is fucking true. What has, what has the world ever done for the white man? It's, yeah, it's a great point. I mean, say what you want, Will. Single white men can't catch a break. You know, <laughs> it's just tough. It's so tough for them, isn't it? Like, oh it, God, it, it goes without saying that the message on that on that play on that play was fucking reprehensible. And as much as I'm laughing through this, like that is fucking not acceptable. And I, I'd like to think we've made. Well, the guy's been sacked, hasn't he? That did it. Was he from his job? Was he good? Yeah. That's that's that doesn't really change anything for me personally. But I'm glad to hear it. How, no, yeah, but I'm glad how, to hear it. How, That's what I mean. Like, good. At least they did something. How much of a fucking psycho does that keeper have to be? <laughs> to be all right. Here we go. <laughs> this is. It was just a bunch of fucking. It's just a bunch of one cells, isn't it? That's all they can think about. I just want to ask them, like, what are you actually against? Why are you so angry? It's. I mean, what? Yeah. Why? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I can't wrap my head around that way of thinking. I don't think either. It's my understanding. That flying a plane is kind of hard. That is true. So, how how can you be smart enough to fly a plane, and yet also dumb enough to be a fucking white lives matter freak? God knows. What a couple of weeks. All right, let's move on. Should we should we start the show? Yeah, go on. Then. So far, 11 players have tested positive for COVID-19 as we head towards restarting the season. At this point, I'm not quite sure why. Um, one of those players was Austin Matthews. We'll talk about the players testing positive in a minute and you know what, what it kind of means, but we'll do the Matthews things first. So Steve Simmons uh, reports it in the Toronto Sun, and then he gets an absolute ton of blowback on it with lots of people questioning if it's a HIPAA violation or, you know, they're asking for his job and all, and all kinds of things. On the other side of that, the story is then seemingly buried and not reported on by TSN or Sportsnet. And his article was, I think there were some links to it, and like those links were, I think the article's still there, but certain links to it were removed. So I think it still exists, but I think you have to kind of find a jiggery-pokery way to get to it now. Mm. What do you what do you think about him reporting on this kind of thing? See, or about actually, or any, about anybody reporting on this kind of thing? The the outrage that came to to Simmons' report, it made me think that like, maybe I'm not quite as educated as I could be on this sort of topic because I don't necessarily see. Yeah, it's it's not great that Steve Simmons is reporting on Austin Matthews testing positive for COVID, but part of me just think like so fucking whatever, like. Like Matthews himself was telling people that's how Simmons found out. He didn't fucking hack his doctor's database or whatever and, and find out, oh, was a Matthews of one Toronto Lane or whatever is. Oh, that's that's got to be him. So he shout out to Piers Morgan. <laughs> fucking, yeah, he's not he's not hacking dead people's phones, is he? Yeah, and, and maybe that's maybe that's fucking like desensitised us to to this sort of aspect of of 
of um, of quote unquote news reporting. But yeah, is there much difference, especially at the moment, in in the guise of returning to play under COVID? Is there much difference to reporting that Matthews has COVID to Matthews has a torn ACL? Or, or is that naive of me to say? Like, I, I, I do not know. This led me to kind of have two reactions. The first one was completely what you're saying, was that I read it, then read all the comments, and if someone wants to tell me why, maybe not why I'm wrong, but why I'm uneducated on this matter, then that's fine. But my thought was the same. Like, okay, so he's reported it. Who cares? He's, he's going to isolate for a couple of weeks and then he'll be back and that'll be it. I don't see I don't see the Blue Jackets now looking at Austin Matthews. Oh, we had about a COVID, boys. He's going to be weak. Let's get him try and, kind of thing. Try and keep him out there for long shifts, boys. He's going to have weak lungs. <laughs> exactly. But it's... Take his mask off him. He won't be able to breathe. <laughs> he'll be breathing in everyone else's air. It'll be terrible for him. What's the difference between reporting that and reporting if he's... I mean, maybe... Maybe it is different to reporting something like an ACL because if if the if the Leafs come out and say he's got a lower body injury, and then Steve Sims comes out with well yeah he's torn his ACL, that hockey clubs don't like that do they? They they like to keep it as vague as possible. Yeah, hockey. It's never ju- it's either upper or lower body. That's it. That's all you get. Hockey clubs don't like it, but fucking Jeff one two one two on fucking Twitter is not going to be like oh my fucking god how dare you that's a HIPAA violation. Yeah, true. But then, and then my second thing, my second thing was, if it was, I don't know, let's think of a player who plays in, an, in a different, Matt Dumba, do you think anyone would have cared? Probably, probably wouldn't have got Or anybody not on the Leafs or, you know, a major market team or a major player. Yeah, definitely wouldn't have gotten as big a sort of slice of the media pie. I think part of it also comes down to like the the different expectations we have for privacy for sports people and celebrities like to an extent no Austin Matthews isn't entitled to the same privacy that you or I are entitled to whether it's right or wrong that is the nature of the beast when it comes to being in the public eye especially like you say being the franchise centre for the most in the spotlight team in in the entire sport like it's yeah and yeah part, part of me thinks like Reporting that Matthews has COVID doesn't give him fucking double COVID. It doesn't like. It, it doesn't. <laughs> now he's got mega COVID. He's got fucking. He's gone. He's gone fucking supernova with this COVID. <laughs> and and it's there's another side of it where it's not the most malicious reporting that Steve Simmons has ever done. At least, at least he's not. He's not fucking slandering people. <laughs> It's a fair point. That is a fair I point. Just, yeah, I do, but, but yeah, like we've said, it, it does feel wrong to be particularly against people who are upset by it because yeah, this is a, a, an aspect of the man's private life that is coming out into the media. I, I do hate to use the argument, oh, at least it's not this, but like, it's not like he's. It, it's just a medical report. He has this illness, which fucking three out of ten people have at the moment. It's not like he's revealing all. I don't know, whatever, Austin Matthews is gay or whatever, whatever it might be. Yeah, it's not like he's the only person on the planet who's got it and it now makes him some kind of... <laughs> I don't know. He's, he's like, patient zero. Like, Yeah, exactly. It's not that. But even then, if it was if it was Austin Matthews supposedly 
creating this virus in a uh, in a lab in southern China. <laughs> I feel like that's that's necessary journalism. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that'll be with Steve Simmons. Then I'd, I'd agree on it. <laughs> Fucking Steve. But if any, yeah, if anybody listening has a strong opinion as to why this is wrong and wants to educate us, please do feel free. Because unless yeah, I mean, we just might be missing something. This is the one but, of three times in the the duration of this podcast's life where we will admit that we need help with a situation. There are t- <laughs> there are two other times remaining, and we will alert you. Two. Well, they are to, oh, okay. they are to come. They are to come. They're to come. Yeah, we'll never admit we need help. We'll just keep talking until one of us says something, and we can move on. Yeah. So strike while the iron's hot. Take take the opportunity to to better us as people as so many others yeah. have failed to do 11 players have tested positive the obviously the lightning had to shut down their facility there has been a, a big spike again in arizona where a lot of players were, were kind of hanging out and, and staying and with america seemingly heading towards a gigantic second wave looking at some graphs and figures this week which seemed really scary for, for america how do you now find a hub city that's safe and also big enough. Like, same in Florida. Florida's now getting record cases three months down the line when everyone else is starting to at least wind down a little bit. Florida, Florida, the state that deemed the WWE as an essential service are having a massive <laughs> second wave. Who could have fucking seen that come in? And they've, they, they've had loads of positive tests this week. They had loads. A, I think yesterday was their highest new <clears throat> cases reported since the whole thing began. Yeah. Something like in the high eight thousands, which is mental. Yeah. It's it's no surprise, like just to ignore the hockey thing for a side for a minute, like of course, because these these governments, world governments of the world over, then they're, they're not fucking interested about keeping you and me safe from COVID. They're interested about getting the economy going again. Which yeah. in in a lot of ways, yes, that is gonna affect us as individuals in the long run. But I think in the short term we we need to take it into our own hands and not ignore government advice because government advice is just saying you can go and do these things if you want. But it's the understanding that just because your your country's leader is saying you can do something doesn't mean that you fucking should do it. Especially when it's your own personal health on the line and the health of your family and anyone you come in contact with. And as we've said before, it's not just a case of either you have COVID and you die or you don't die. You can survive and still have a fucked up life for a very long time after this. So yeah, or you can give it to someone else and you can kill them. Yeah, or or change their life irreparably. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, Donald and Bojo still do not care about us and do not listen to them. Oh no, yeah, no, of course not. Yeah, it's uh, they don't give a shit about us, but but more, bring it back to hockey. But more how, more how importantly. Now? <laughs> But, but, yeah, but more importantly, we do need to have a cup winner this year. It's imperative. How are you now going to find a hub city that's safe or... If if we didn't have the issues with border control between the US and Canada, you'd say just have both of them in Canada. But the fact of the matter yeah. is there are issues with border control. So I, d- I don't know if we go back to maybe more obscure hub cities like we were thinking about right at the beginning, like in fucking North Dakota and Utah and places like that. But I, d- I just don't know. I just don't know. I, th- I think they will settle for one of the ones that they've been considering. Because it was places like, like Toronto and Vancouver and Dallas and yeah, Vegas, obviously. There's even talk a lot of Los Angeles and stuff like that. So I, th- I think I think they'll have been considering enough places in the US to 
to settle on one for better or worse. And and you're gonna you're absolutely gonna have to absolutely bubble these teams completely. That it is gonna have to be a once you're in and you're tested and you're fine. That's it. No one else comes in. No one else. It's twenty eight days. It's twenty eight weeks later, basically. Yeah, that that's patient. Gonna... You know, like we're all locked up in this city with the high walls and no one can get in or out. And and that's it for the like the next three months until we finish. That, yeah, that's the other side of it. There's an element of if you do this thing properly and restrict it as best you can, it doesn't matter what city you're in. Like because you should be locked down, but but then there are there, there are going to be those people who are going to have to go in there. The, I'm thinking you know things like food and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not a there are ways it can get in. Absolutely, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting watching because obviously the Premier League started again. It's interesting watching the football games and all these players are just all over each other like a cheap suit and stuff at corners in free kicks. Yeah, and hockey players are always crashing into each other. Spitting on each other, licking each other, just standard stuff. Yeah, really. yeah, standard stuff. Do you, do you think this is going to impact their ability to come back at all? No, because I, no. like I've said before, and maybe I've missed this or something. I'm convinced that they're terrified that because every single company is feeling the pinch, even TV companies, they're scared that NBC or Sportsnet or whoever, if it if it gets right down to it. They can then, if there's no hockey and it doesn't come back, they can then say, well, you broke your contract, so we'll have to let you go. Yes. You know, we're not going to renew the deal or you've broken your contract, so the deal is terminated. You can say, you know, say goodbye to all that money from the TV deal. And I think they're just terrified. I think they're terrified of that. And obviously in Canada, it's different, but for the American market... No, it's interesting throwing Canada in there as well, because famously, Sportsnet have invested a lot of money in the, the NHL TV deal and have not got anywhere near enough back in return. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if there is that sense of out and you can save money, I wouldn't even be surprised if Sportsnet said, nah, fuck you, see you later. Yeah, maybe you're right, yeah. Because yeah. Sportsnet would be, but, if it's if it's all sort of relative, Sportsnet would be saving, I don't know, twice as much as NBC would to, to kick the NHL. Yeah, yeah. If there's literally no way the TV deal can be changed or altered or anything like that, if the NHL doesn't complete its season, I'd like to know. But that, to me, just screams why they're coming back. But, but it's like anything at the moment, isn't it? Yes, the NHL would technically be in breach of contract by not fulfilling the allotted number of games to NBC or Sportsnet or whoever it is. But it's whether there's like a a sort of reasonable acceptance of these are these are extenuating circumstances. Once you get into sort of contract law and all that kind of thing, it just gets a bit, it just gets really tricky, doesn't it? You're looking at like a certain sentence is capital lettered or full stopped correctly and all that kind of, maybe that's, you know, and then you could say, oh, well, look at this, it's a breach, it's a breach, you know, we can we can forget the deal now, that's it. I mean, God knows. That, that's the thing, it's, but, it's, it's a question of either there is some sort of clause written into these contracts for should the NHL be able to unfinish its season for unforeseen circumstances, blah, blah, blah. blah. And if there's not, then yeah, it's just a question of whether the the TV networks' uh, lawyers want to go for the throat or not. I'd I'd imagine yeah, I for a for a league that has lost an entire season to a fucking wage dispute, I'd imagine there's some sort of uh, clause written into into the contracts. But just in case, just in case. Because otherwise there would have been issues. A bit too much, I think you're giving a bit too much credit there. <laughs> but but then <laughs> there there has been a lockout in within this the duration of this TV deal, hasn't there? True. 
only half a knockout, but maybe that compounds the issue that NBC lost 36 games or whatever it is to, uh, sorry, 34 games to uh, to the 2013 knockout. And they're like, okay, we'll let that slide. Another 20 regular season games, though, we're going to have an issue. You fucked us before, you're not going to fuck us no, again. Fucking aren't. And now, now Taylor Hall can't get paid $9 million a year because the NHL owes NBC $250 million. Right, let's move on from that for a sec. This this news dropped literally as we finished recording the show last week. And I nearly rang Will back and said, Dan Carcillo has, has filed as a, as a lead plaintiff a new class action lawsuit against the Canadian Hockey League. But I kind of wanted to let it breathe and see what came of it before we just kind of jumped in and started sort of discussing it and, and things like that. Um, but he has, and he alleges that he and other teenage players were routinely victims to hazing, bullying, physical and verbal harassment, physical assault, sexual harassment, and sexual assault. The lawsuit was filed with the Ontario Ontario Superior Court of Justice. Dan said that the case is on behalf of underage minors who suffered violent hazing, physical and sexual assault, and psychological trauma while playing major junior hockey. He said, I was one of those kids when I played in the NHL, and I know there are many more just like me. I am not going to go into everything because there is a ton of stuff in there a, a, a lot of things that to read some of which is i mean incredibly incredibly bad really bad i guess initially before asking any questions and anything else your, your initial thoughts on on this lawsuit well i think when formulating thoughts and opinions on it the first thing that comes to mind is the class action regarding concussions and, and long-term yeah. brain injuries and the, and the lawsuit against the nhl because it's going to be a similar situation to that We've had the initial revelation from Carcillo and then obviously the people who are involved in the class action with him. But now this is this is going to be a fucking long, long haul before we get any real answers about it. I think not answers in the sense of whether it's true or not, because I think most reasonable people can look inside themselves and not disbelieve this for a second. You know, on the yeah. back of... Akeem Alou coming out with, with all the ra- um, issues around race that he had there, you know, the racial abuse that he was experiencing, and uh, on top of the hazing as well, the hands of Steve Downey, like, yeah, I'm, I'm not fucking surprised for a second that there was sexual assault and drug abuse, forced drug abuse and things like that within the CHO, because, 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 be fucking because it's not surprising in the slightest. Um, I think similarly to the class action uh, lawsuit surrounding head trauma in the NHL, I don't necessarily think there will be what you could call a victory for Carcillo and the other uh, claimants in the case. But the hope is that this leads to strong reform within junior hockey all across the world. Not only... The CHL and Major Junior, we were talking Minor Junior, we were talking down to Midget and, and below, because as Akeem Alou, Kevin Weeks, Matt Dunbar, countless other players have, have attested to, Jamel Smith, this abuse starts when people are five years old. Maybe yeah. not, not in all cases the sexual abuse and the drug abuse and the physical abuse, but in most cases the racial abuse starts that young. And I wouldn't be surprised if you have similar sort of violent hazing rituals as, you know, growing in intensity the further up the the junior hockey ranks you go. So 
so the hope is that we see reform and that it's not just at yeah at surface level, not just the leagues we see. According to the lawsuit, Carcillo and some other players from the uh, the Sarnia Sting reported the abuse when playing for the national team, the juniors, mm-hmm. and the OHL and CHL agents uh, conducted an investigation and said that no steps were taken to address any alleged abuse and no findings were released. It, it just sounds like a nice big, a nice big fat sweeper under the rug, doesn't it? Oh, we and, we investigated ourselves and we found that we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, yeah, we we investigated what we did and we we thought it was fine. We thought it was completely fine. And you've only got to look at sort of college football in in the states. We've had things over in, with soccer over here recently with youth players being abused sexually and forced to do things that against their will, drugs wise, sexual. All, all kinds of stuff and it's just uh what's the word it's a disease it's a disease around children playing sport and the people in power who choose to wield it in, in just god-awful ways mm-hmm. uh, and it's just if you go and look at all the cases around the world in in all the sports of mental abuse physical abuse sexual abuse all the kind of things that you know have happened to a lot of children and a lot of teenagers from adults over fucking you know over playground games which is essentially what it is or sunday morning bros and pond games with your buddies that's all these are but these people just seem to find their way into these situations of power within these young people's lives and they just completely abuse the situation and i i can i am not going to go into details not for me personally but for people i've spoken to who were not even at major teams involved in soccer and rugby in this country, but I know people who were in and around well-known rugby league teams in this country and well-known soccer teams in this country. And they have told me things that, oh, God, we like one night we got this lad and we did this. Oh, it was so funny. And I'm just sitting there open-mouthed thinking to myself, holy shit. I mean, that's that's illegal, isn't it? I absolutely believe every single thing in this report. I believe every single thing. And, and to call it a disease is absolutely the right word, Dan, because it, it spreads like wildfire. It's it's the the adults in position of power exploiting their power, be it uh, as what they see as like a motivational tool to, to weed out the, the wheat from the chaff and all that sort of stuff. That sort of coercive, abusive behavior then bleeds into the children in their care the children in their ward you know the the children who are playing the sport for them and as part of their team and then that behavior becomes normalized for people of that team and then it's perpetuated so you know a lot of people are saying against Carcillo specifically because he is a lightning rod and a lot of people even now after you know, what seems to be quite genuine uh, personality reform on his part seem to find it easy to, to, to wave the stick at Dan Carcillo. And, and the argument is, oh, well, you admit to having perpetuated be- these behaviours and, and, you know, carried on. And, and if anything, that is the perfect example of the damage that these people can do to these young people. These adults can yeah. instill these ways of behaving to to children who don't we don't need to explain to anyone that children are fucking innocent like children don't know shit until you teach them that 
And if you teach them bad shit, they're yeah. going to do bad shit. And that goes yeah. through to just because someone's 14, 15, they're not, they don't suddenly become not a child. You right. There's a reason that the, the age of being an adult is set at 18 around the world by and large is because and it's because we are still accepting that 15 16 17 year olds are young and impressionable enough that they are not strictly responsible for their own actions and should be under guard of people who are legally of age to to be of sound mind and body so yeah to call it a disease is, is spot on because as we all know too well in in, in this current climate it spreads so fucking easily on Thursday, the CHL Board of Directors agreed to an appointment of an independent review panel uh, to examine policies and practices relating to hazing, abuse, bullying, and the fact that players playing uh, in and around the leagues don't feel comfortable reporting anything uh, you know, to higher-ups. The CHL said in a statement that they are deeply troubled by allegations in the recent announced class action, many of which are historic in nature and we believe are not indicative of leading experience our players receive in the CHL today. Regardless of the timing, we are taking the claims very seriously as the protection of our players has been and will always be our primary concern. I mean, all right then. Uh, <laughs> the CHL will announce a chair of the panel later this year and the review process is expected to be completed in time for the 2021 season. I just... Maybe I'm wrong. I can't remember any time since I've been alive and paying attention to the news close enough that I'm aware of independent review panels or independent review boards that a paper's ever come out that has completely turned the thing they were investigating mm-hmm. on its head. And I just don't think it's going to be any different now. And, and You know, you hear all the time that, well, this thing happened over here in this company. They've got an imp- independent panel to review the situation. And it just comes out with kind of, well, they did a couple of things wrong, but it's okay now. So that's fine. We've, we've sat that Unless there's something person, I'm missing. So it's fine. <laughs> Yes, yeah, it's the CH. It's like this. Yeah, the CHL are probably going to find some guy who's close to retirement anyway, and say, "Well, this guy once made a player bathe another player in beer, and that's disgraceful. So we're going to get rid of him." And that'll be like, "Well, we have taken action. You know, that's that's all we could find out." And it's just going to be, I just again, it's just going to be full of fluff. I think. I don't know if it's like an ingrained, petulant anti-establishment mentality on my part but that the phrasing of that statement from the chl where they're bringing up all these these are historic allegations we don't believe this is being perpetuated in the chl today like why if you're going to investigate don't bring that up don't try and cover your own back and and almost because by bringing up the timing and the sort of chronology of of the claims from carcillo and his in his co-claimants it does automatically give an air of discredit to the claims. It's like, oh, well, that all happened in the past. It's not like that anymore. We don't need to change anything because it doesn't happen anymore. It was twenty. It was twenty years ago. Dan Carlson can't even get over it. It's just the and and for for all these organisations, you know, the, all the teams that that came out with diabolically worded statements on on the BLM protests. Who who are you fucking paying for PR? Like you're paying some geezer. Or, or woman for like 90 grand, 150 grand, whatever the fucking money is a year for PR statements and you're putting out this shit. It just doesn't, like you say, it doesn't fill you with a good feeling that this is going to be done in good faith or going to get any results. Can, can you see some George, right? I mean, to be fair, I don't, 
you know, my, my former training is in British law, so I'm not sure how Canadian law works, obviously. But you can, you can't see some judge because there's this is, you know, the, the Carcillo and, and the other people involved are seeking damages. You can't see some judge coming <laughs> coming out and saying, Yes, uh, you know, Mr. Carcillo, thank you for bringing this to our attention. Yeah, you are absolutely right. This was a disgrace. Uh, I'm going to award all of you, um, however many people are involved, $400 million between you. And I'm going to make sure that the CHL like collapses under financial pressure and disappears forever. No, it's just not going to happen, is it? No, you're suing hockey itself. Exactly. But that that's where I... I as much as OHL, goodbye. The Q. See you later. WHL. What's that anymore? All gone now because <laughs> of Dan Carcillo. Yeah, that's really going to happen, isn't it? I'm, I'm sure there are going to be other claimants in the case who who do actually need the money. Not that Dan Carcillo is fucking. Oh yeah, Jeff Bezos. But I, I think he's doing all right. But I, I'd imagine that the main aim for for the for the case is actually to get reform. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd imagine wholeheartedly that because the money's not going to undo what's happened to these people. It's not going to actually repair the wounds done. You know, for, for, oh, no, of course for, not. For anyone who, who sues for damages in any sort of abuse case, like if you're awarded 40 quid or 40 million, it doesn't change what's happened. It doesn't, doesn't mend those wounds. So I think, I'd imagine at least the main aim is to get change to ensure that it doesn't happen to any other young people. Let's hope so, but it, that needs to be. And you know, Brock, uh, Brock McGillis said, didn't he? It's not a, it's not a junior issue; it's a hockey issue. And yeah. I can, par- I can, um, I can piggyback off that and say it's not a hockey issue; it's a sports issue. Because mm-hmm. as I've said, I, I know about things happening like that in, in soccer, rugby league, and I've, there's like said, all the stuff in America with the gymnast. What's that guy's name? Larry Nasser. Nasser. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole thing with the the college football teams and. Yeah, it, it's a sports issue, it's, it's a, which is just insane. It's a sports issue that, think about it. time and time again, seems to be amplified in hockey. Nice for, for whatever reason. Let's move on. Uh, we are on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, YouTube, and now only one metre away from you. And if you could leave a five-star review on iTunes, that would be really good. And as always, we are brought to you and sponsored by Wave Intel. Do not let the fact that Jason has a pool in his back garden fool you into thinking he doesn't know how to graft, because he does. His patented comparison charts are easy to read and he produces a ton more stuff, including looking at teams' drafting abilities, Wave Intel online and on Twitter, being smart so you don't have to. Okie dokie. Does he, does he really have a... Jason's got a pool. I was going to say, does he really have a pool? It looked like it in that picture, didn't it? I, don't, I haven't seen the photo. Why does he need a fucking... You've not seen the photo? Why does he need a pool? He lives in fucking Montreal, doesn't he? Well, maybe in the summer it's a pool and in the winter it's a hockey rink. <laughs> In the, I don't know. In the summer, it's a hockey rink. Am I right, Dan? <laughs> Good point. Maybe it's heated. Fucking, I don't know. Fucking got him. I'm, I'm very interested about this. What's this photo? It's just charts. Because you lied to me about what the password is for the uh, for the Twitter. <laughs> I, uh, I still haven't been able to log back in. <laughs> sorry, yeah. Trying to keep me out. Sorry. I'm sorry for stifling your Twitter activity on our account. I don't, <laughs> God, I would be posting at least... Once a week, if it weren't for you, at least. God, if it's once a week. <laughs> Correct, if it's once a week, I'll be doing backflips. <laughs> well, you tweeted like five times, I I've, think, in the entire history of our account. I've, I've got a lot less going on nowadays. Here we go. That's true. God, that's, that's, true. that's a that's a body of water, or it's a very nice puddle. In it, in it. 
So he's done a fucking, some fucking motorbike, not a motorbike, a uh, an exercise bike. Yeah. God, I love him, but what a twat. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the words of Will Everett, Jason. You look like you look like you could beat us both up. So he he said that, not me. Oh Dan, if you if if I went through my life adhering to you know the idea of not calling someone a twat just because he could beat me up, I would have not lived a very fulfilling life up until now. It's a fair point, I but I can also tell, unlike me, you've not been beaten up that many times <laughs> for calling someone a twat. To be the, the only time <laughs> I, I got beaten up was was because I uh, I went back to get a shoe that fell off. Carry on. All right, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick. So we're like 14. Let's fucking go, Cinderella. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> fucking big Willie Midnight over here. <laughs> Yeah, that that's a good thing that Cinderella didn't go back for the glass zipper. Otherwise, she'd have had the fucking <laughs> shit being out of her. So she didn't get a backhander from one of the ugly sisters. God, mate, <laughs> more than a backhander, I'll tell you that. Right, just quickly. So uh, I was fourteen. We uh, we were meant to be going to this like a sort of like a uh, like a not metalhead youth club, but like an alternative youth club. You know what I mean? Edge lord, go on. Yeah, absolutely, edge lord. Yeah, for for kids with skinny jeans and and really badly dyed black hair. Yeah, but it was shut, so we thought let's go drink some WKD on the pier on the on the, the Harbour Arms. Of course. So we did that, and it was about nine o'clock. So we we're like, right, let's go and get the train home. And uh, on the way back, a group of uh, group of scallies hanging by the uh, the entrance to the Harbour Arm, and uh, one of the people we were with looked at them in a way that was not satisfactory to this group of double hard hard boys so they start following us uh then they one of them lamps that kid it was really fucking bad actually like he fell over one of those you know it's like fucking low hell. chain fences that you get for car parks oh yeah yeah like fell over one of those and cracked his head on a car bonnet as well it's it pretty fucking bad anyway so they start chasing us we're sprinting off and my shoe comes off while we're running because I was too too cool to do my laces up. Because who is at that age? Cool. And, and in like, in the completely illogical moment, I thought, well, I, I haven't done anything wrong. Maybe if I go back and get my shoe, they'll not even recognise me as someone that they're trying to get. Oh dear. So I got the shoe, took a few few punches and kicks to the head, and uh. And got a taxi home. That was that. That's what we just call a Friday night in Kent. Standard, isn't it? standard Ramsgate night out, really. So uh, just that yeah. nice. the good news is that shoe lasted me at least six months, maybe another year. So totally worth it, really. Up on the deal. And it definitely hasn't affected me negatively. <laughs> Every time you just see one shoe, you start breaking out into a cold sweat. <laughs> like, oh my god, there's a shoe. I have to put both shoes on at once, otherwise I get PTSD. <laughs> You just you just you just turtle onto the floor. <laughs> oh, so you're not the only oh, one with dear. stories, Dan. Not the only one with stories. But yours are No, that's true. Your, yours that are far more um empowering, I think. <laughs> the ones I can tell on here are anyway. Okay. Should do the Hall of Fame. You have a uh, you have a spicy take for me for the uh, for the Hall of Fame. As as I was trying to walk back before we started recording I don't think it's that spicy a take to say that okay. people who are currently doing the job probably shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame 
<laughs> if, if, if you ask me, is it a lifetime achievement award if you're still living that lifetime? <laughs> if yeah. you still have things yet to achieve, what are we doing putting Ken Holland in the fucking Hall of Fame and Jimmy Rutherford and Gary Bettman before him? Well, not not to say that Ken Holland doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. Like that's a that's a different question entirely. But this year, do, did do we need to put Ken Holland in? I kind of see what you're saying, but. There is a slight issue, is that, how do I say, you want the people to be able to enjoy it if they're going to go into the Hall of Fame. And with some of them, I'm not saying I'm wishing this on anything or anyone. I'm just saying that. Get that out there now. But you can't really wait until somebody retires just in case they never get the chance to retire. So if it's their turn to go in, you just got to put them in and do it just in case. Yep, okay, I, I understand that. But say, okay, Lou Lamorello, <laughs> the, old, the oldest person on the planet, was inducted <laughs> 11 fucking years ago. Yeah, but he was the oldest person on the planet then as well. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like, th- this is the point. I, I get we don't want like another, another Pat Burns. Was it Pat Burns or Pat Quinn? Whichever one it was. That didn't get inducted yeah. until after he was dead. Nobody wants that. Like you're, you're absolutely right. We want to actually induct fucking living, breathing people into the Hall of Fame, not fucking urns full of ashes. But at the same time, I, I would think. When was the last time an NHL GM died on the job? I, I don't think it's happened, as far as I'm aware. <laughs> so like, to the Google machine. <laughs> How many? Oh my! Ninety-eight percent of NHL GMs die on the job. Did you know that? Um, Maybe I, if you're looking at it sports-wise, they all die on the job, don't they? As, well, fucking there you go. That's a that's a different question. There you go. But but yeah, I, I think it's a bit early for for Ken Holland, who, who has no known medical issues and is certainly not knocking on death's door. I just pressed return without looking at what Google had auto-corrected it to. I did. Has an NHL GM died while GM? And it changed it to, has an NHL GM diet while gym? Fucking hell. I, I, I just don't think that yeah we should be... Maybe, maybe, maybe that's the problem. We should just have a hard and fast, you can't be inducted when you're alive. Yeah, maybe. But, but, but Ken, Ken Holland specifically is... One year and one and a half months into a new job, he ain't he ain't going fucking anywhere. I do see what you're saying. I I don't know. I I think it's I I don't mind it. I think it's fine. It doesn't bother me at all. I t- I tell you one thing. I'm glad about with this Hall of Fame class. Go on. Kevin Lowe is now a Hall of Famer, which <laughs> which retroactively makes me calling him a Hall of Famer three months ago correct. <laughs> The only thing, the only thing I care, because I don't, I really don't care about the Hall of Fame, Fucking honestly, if I'm being honest with whatever. you. But the only thing that surprised me was something that Paul Campbell brought up the, the day after it was announced, because obviously when it got announced we were asleep, was that Alex McGilney is in the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And that absolutely stunned me. Giza scored 76 goals in 77 games and he's not in the fucking Hall of Fame. Like, what, what are we even talking about here? And I, and I, and do you know what? I'd never talked about him not being in the Hall of Fame before because I assumed he was in the Hall of Fame. What? Do- why? Why would you not have 
the first ever Soviet defector, who is then really fucking good and puts up the numbers. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? Because, so, I was, I was listening to Buck Soup earlier, and I think it was Sean McIndoe made the good point of most of the people who were who are on the Hall of Fame selection committee, A, they're North American, B, primarily Canadian, and more importantly, they would have been rivals with McGilney and, and the Red Army at the time. So that that's what Dude, it is. That it's, can't be it. Mate, like, that what, can't be if, it. If, if that's not it, fucking what is it? Is I mean, you put it like that, you make a good point. It's, it's, it's either it's either xenophobe, it's either not wanting to put your enemy and someone you don't like in the Hall of Fame, fair enough, or it's xenophobia, not fair enough, or it's just plain stupidity, which fair enough again, I suppose. How can it be xenophobia though, right? When the guy said. You know that country that I live in, that I'm representing? Fuck that whole place. Fuck that whole place and their shitty teams. I'm going to come play with you guys where it's way cooler and I'll make way more money and have way more fun. In a, wouldn't it be Wouldn't it be in like the fuck you wing of the Hall of Fame to Russia? In, in, the, words <laughs> you know of, I mean? in the words of Stephen Gerrard, Dan, born a red, die a red. And uh, that is uh, I guess so, yeah. absolutely I guess a mantra so. that the Hall of Fame committee uh, lives by. True, yeah. I mean, who knew the Cold War was still going on? It's they, they've got they've actually got lifelines like who wants to be a millionaire on the Hall of Fame selection committee. <laughs> and, and one of them used Lanny McDonald used his phone a friend when it came to McGilney, and, uh, and he phoned John Tortorella. <laughs> he said, "You see the problem, Lanny? The guys are fucking coming." And and here we go. It's insane. That's it's, so insane. Fucking, like, I, I know the argument has been done to death, but but it does have to be spoken about. It's for me. You're either going to have a small hole, and it is purely the best of the best. You know, proper proper legends. Like there are seven people in the fucking Hall of Fame. Or yeah, like one guy gets in every year. There's maybe like forty guys in it. That, that's a different thing I want to talk about in a second. Or oh, okay, and and the way that I think it actually should be is like. Emphasize the fame. Like, don't worry about, you know, oh, we had seven Hart Trophy nominations and won a Selkie and he was a postseason all star three times. I don't fucking dick dick me about that shit. I just want, was he famous? Was he, was he, that, that's the fucking one. And how much more famous can you get than the first Soviet to defect? 76 goals in 77 games. Like, the first really big Russian prospect of first Russian superstar of the NHL those are fucking milestones Not don't worry about accolades or fucking milestones and and McGilney has all of it it's mental yeah, you're right oh yeah I am say it again for me you are right it's the same it's the same for me with guys who were picked in the seventh round mm. who they went on to have a career mm-hmm. they should be in as I've said before they should be in under the premise of Look what you can actually achieve if you work hard. You don't have to be first over. You don't even have to go in the first six rounds to make a career. If you work and you give it your all, you can have a career. Henrik Zetterberg was the prime example when we talked about him. I can't remember what we talked about him before, but we talked about Zetterberg ages ago. There should be like a seventh round area or something. And you don't even have to have won anything or had a cup or got any individual awards. If you've gone from the seventh round and had a, like a 12-year NHL career, you absolutely should go into the Hall of Fame. 
to just in, like inspiration for just inspiration. That that's another side of it that I'm always a bit cognizant of. Like I've never been to the Hall of Fame. I don't know how it's laid out. So for all I'm aware of, there could be a section that has people who aren't in the Hall of Fame, but it acknowledges their accomplishments. Yeah. So that's the case. Yeah, fair enough. That's that's a different way of looking at it. But but yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. It's put the fucking stories in there. If you if you if you're an interesting player. You should be in there if we're talking about you for whatever reason. What was your uh, what what was it you want to say about? I said about having one person a year going in, and you said you got something to say about oh, that. Oh yeah, mate. Bit. Like, I've, what was that? Nah, put if there are people to put in, put them in. Don't because that's how you end up with like Alex McGillney not getting in because like oh, we can only have four geezers in a year, and like oh well, fucking Marion Host has got to go in, so we can't put in Alex McGillney. Kevin Lowe's got to go in, so we can't put in Alexander McGillney. Like. No, don't don't fucking monkey yourselves off, because then you're 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 belittling the sort of strength of your own Hall of Fame by not having the people who who you yeah. You know, it's like you're saying, oh, Alex McGillney should be in the Hall of Fame, but our rules say that he can't be in this year or last year or whatever. Yeah, you see, you see, you're just mugging yourself off by setting yourself restrictions when there shouldn't be that sort of thing. Either someone should be in the hall. Yeah, no, I agree. With, yeah. yeah, I agree with that because then it, yeah, then it becomes a, then it does weaken it because then it becomes a case of well, it's his turn to go in now, instead of, well, he's going in because he was amazing, because if only a certain amount of players can go in, well, he missed his turn this year, so we'll put him in next year. Well, it shouldn't be about that. If one year there's only two people who should go in, then only two people go in. Yep. If there's one year there's ten guys and you know ten guys and four women who can go in, put them all in. Yeah, f- who cares? Fucking excellent! You've got a bumper Hall of Fame class. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah, well done. And and you end up with things like like you're mugging yourself off in different ways, where like Doug Wilson finally gets in after 24 years or whatever it is, and there's it's like okay he's in, but why did it take so long? Yeah, it's moronic to me. I I get I kind of get the idea of oh we don't want to risk. We don't want to dilute the achievement by having seventeen people go in every year. So then, then either restrict your criteria for people getting in, or change your expectations of what it means to get into the Hall of Fame. It's it's all of the the sort of bluster and and commotion about it is purely self inflicted by the Hall of Fame selection committee themselves. Any, any if only there was some way they could change the rules, well, <laughs> out of my hands, mate. Rules and rules. <laughs> there's a thing where there's where he's like home as the mayor or something, and he says like, "I'm only one man. What can I do? <laughs> like, you're the mayor. <laughs> I'm just one guy. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> it's just the way we've always oh, done it. Speaking of one man, speaking up, oy, oy. the bread man, Artemi Panarin, <laughs> as we've talked about in the past few months NHL players are definitely finding their voice a bit more now and he was and is he was talking about escrow I'm returning to play and he said I am very much looking forward to the playoffs with the New York Rangers I have concerns not only about the health of players and their families but also about the long-term prosperity of the NHL but in the two decades the players have protected the owner's income with escrow including throughout this pandemic crisis even as owner's equity continues to grow exponentially it is time to fix the escrow there's a bit more about that but yeah i mean he's right isn't he oh yeah who <laughs> who who would have thought that a russian would be anti-billionaire who could have seen that coming it's yeah it's it's, it's beautiful and and to, to loop back to what we were saying about pr people earlier are, are you telling me that fucking artemi panarin 
a non-native English speaker can craft such a well-worded statement about COVID <laughs> and the state of escrow in the NHL. <laughs> Shit, I didn't, you know what? I didn't even think of that. That's a great point. It's, uh, yeah. yeah, but everyone's got Google Translate, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Fuck you, Artemi. It's <laughs> he's 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 spot on, and and it's an issue that doesn't just plague the NHL; it plagues, as we've seen throughout this pandemic, it plagues businesses, no matter what the industry, no matter what the country. These billionaire owners are not held accountable; they do not. The buck does not stop with them because it does not fucking reach them. It stays with the workers, yeah. and as much as people are going to cry and say, "Oh, it's millionaires whining at billionaires." In a lot of ways, you've got a lot more in common with an NHL player or a Premier League player than you do with a fucking sports team owner. I'll tell you now. Yeah. There's a great Chris Rock quote, which is, okay, so Shaquille O'Neal is really, really rich, but think how rich the guy is who gives him those checks. Fucking, that's fucking it. That's it. And, th- it. and then the guy who gives them those checks is not responsible for the success or failure of the league in which they are an owner. Players are employees. It doesn't matter that they have massive inflated salaries and they earn you know, d- unbelievable sums of money for, for you and I. They are still employees. And you would not expect to be an employee of a company that you work for and then have your boss turn around and the owner of your company turn around and say... We didn't have that good a profit this month, so you're going to have to give us half of your paycheck, because that is what's uh-huh. happening to these to these players. And and yeah, I think I think once you get past the the fact that your know, Artemi Panera is making ten twelve million dollars a year, like that is still what's happening. He's being promised a certain certain sum of money for in exchange for him playing for the New York Rangers, and then he fulfills his contract, and at the end is told. Okay, we weren't as successful as they thought we would be. So even though you fulfilled your end of the deal, we're going to renege on ours and actually take back a percentage of your money. Sorry, bruv. And then Ryan Kessler replied to that and said, "Yeah, and said it's about time. The owners need to understand we're done paying their debts. Mm-hmm. You run your team into the ground; it's on you. If there's a pandemic, it's on the owners. Figure it out. It's not a free ride. That's, that's absolutely it. That's absolutely it. And I, I, yeah. I said to you, Dan, like it feels like." I wasn't around for 2004, 2005, or even 2012, 2013. But this feels like the players have had fucking enough. The fact that it's actually bubbled to the surface in a sport that we've said time and time again, everyone has said time and time again, you don't talk about personal issues or problems or whatever, you don't want to be a distraction, blah, blah, blah. For this to come out and players to actually vocalise this frustration with the escrow system, rightful frustration this has got to be the foundation for the next CBA negotiations and potentially the next lockout. Yeah, I was I was reading the article about this on uh, Russian Machine Never Breaks, mm. which is a, a really good Fucking hockey website. Shout out. And yeah, shout out to them for sure. And they mentioned about Ovi after... I don't know if you were... Were you watching in 2013 or not? No, I got in the latter half of 13-14 after the Olympics. Oh, okay, right. So after after Game 7... When the Caps played the sorry after Game Six, when the Caps played the Rangers, Ovi said, "I'm not saying there was a phone call, but they wanted Game Seven for ratings. You know, lockout, escrow, league must make profit." <laughs> <laughs> and I remember at the time it was like, "Oh, he fucking said what? He said what? Are you kidding? I love it." <laughs> I don't want to say it's true, but you never know, do you? Would you would you be surprised? Know. 
if Gary Bettman's in the fucking ref's ear saying, right, we've got to get the Rangers a power play or whoever it is, like, we've got to set this thing to seven. Not at all. Not at all. I mean... Oh, God, I was going to come across then, like, such a <laughs> such a bitter... F- you know what? I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Come on, say it. We want, I'm we going to be... I'm slightly... As I've, as I've said a million times on the show, I am very unbiased with Murray Bruin's commentary. <laughs> but I'm going to be a bit biased here and a bit bitter. After Craig Brube complained last season, saying that the Bruins are roughing up the Blues players and all this kind of thing, and it was a disgrace, suddenly the Blues start to get a lot more calls in their favour, which was really interesting. And it suddenly seemed to prolong the series somehow. <laughs> I, th- I think that's another question about the way that officiating in, in, in almost any sport as far as I'm aware responds to to media pressure or outside pressure because credit to the referees they are still human beings and we all do respond to outside pressure and outside influences subconsciously you know whether, whether we want to or not it does affect us because that's how we're wired we are wired to uh, to respond to to other stimulus, especially when, when say we are being called out on our performance or when you know, if somebody like Craig Brewery feels that their their team is being wronged specifically at your hands, as professional as you can be, that is going to affect the way that you treat the next game. So I think, you know, as much as it's nice to to think about match fixing and stuff like that and that sort of conspiracy stuff, there there is a a hard sort of psychological science behind it that would more often than not argue that that is the case. Can you not just let me enjoy wearing my tinfoil hat for five minutes? Well, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I'm just taking the tinfoil off your hat and saying, here's a better hat to wear that still has the same sort of point. You're giving me a paper hat instead? Yeah, because I need the foil to, to bake a turkey. <laughs> Sorry, mate. That's my life. Where are you going with that? Yeah, my foil. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right, I've got something to cook, Dan. I need the foil. I'll, yeah, let's leave it there. I will, yeah, I will not be uh, elaborating on what I am cooking. No. I know it's been spoken about with the with Major League Baseball and, and their return to play and how they wanted the players to take a, a wage cut and, and all that kind of thing. This kind of weirdly relates to something that's been happening near me. With And, and I'll get around to what my sort of overall point was in a sec, but the largest zoo in the country is Chester Zoo which is 25 minutes from where I live. And Chester Zoo is humongous, and it, I'll be honest, it is phenomenal. It's amazing. You have a ton of stuff there, like loads of interactive things. You can now get on a boat there and, and go across and go along this river and sort of stop off on the way and go and see certain animals, come back, and then they'll have certain animals in the river that you can look at. And it's it's an amazing place. It's an amazing place. They, they, and I've been they going treat there. you really nicely there, yeah? Yeah, yeah, I've been going there for at least 20 years, right? It's always been expensive to get into. It's 30 quid each. It's regardless of size. I think it's like kids under two can get in free. You, you or, pay some, or like three or something like that. You pay 30 quid for George? Yeah. That's fucked up. Right? So you're a family of four, average family of four going. That's 120 quid. It may even be a little bit more than that. So we're looking at around, that's around $200 American, just to give you a kind of, around about $200 American, just to give you a comparison. And there are thousands of people that go there. I mean, thousands and thousands of people that go there every year, all paying 30 quid each. This all And that's not including, that's just to get in. That's not including like all the gift shops where they sell 
a million things that are dotted all over the place. There's restaurants there. Seven quid for a can of Coke. Yeah. The, you know, all the little, like the little tiny little food huts that sell just ice cream or just drinks or whatever like that. And they come on uh, across my Facebook feed about a month ago crying poverty, <laughs> saying, we're desperate for money. You know, we we've this this nine or ten weeks has been horrendous for us, and we now can't afford to run the zoo. So could you please donate? And everyone's going on saying, "Oh my God, here's twenty pounds, here's fifty pounds. We love it there. Here's more. Like here's this, here's that." And I just said, and my wife said to me, "Are you going to give them anything?" And I said, "Well, no, because where's all that money gone that they've been having for all these years? Where is it? Because I know for because my wife used to work for a, a pet company, and." The people who worked at the pet company only worked there so they could then get a job at Chester Zoo. Mm. Even though Chester Zoo's wages are, it's basically tea and biscuits. You work there because you love working there. Mm-hmm. You're not, you know, it's not like they're on like 40 grand a year. They're not. You know, you work there because you get to work with elephants all day or you get to work with tigers all day or, you know, something like that. That's a cool job. So you're doing it for the love, not for money. So I said to Sarah, I said, if they're crying poverty, I have no issue with that. If if it's been really bad for them and it really has hit them economically, that's fine. But you gotta show me that balance sheet. You gotta show me something that says, Look, this is how much money I've lost. And this is how it feeds back to these owners. You're crying poverty, you're telling me you need escrow to go up by whatever. Show me. Show me that you've lost all this money. Show me you need these players to help you. And if it's a case of, well look. If this if this company doesn't get this money, the Anaheim Ducks are no longer going to exist. Fine. Now I can get now I can, okay now I can see it. That makes sense. But they won't because on the balance sheet it's going to say something like, you know, operating profits. And for Chester Zoo's case, operating profits for the last twenty years, seven hundred million pounds or something. And people are going to say, what? How much? Like how much do you charge again for us to get in? This is a disgrace. You want to and the same as all these airline companies. You know, we've mentioned. I mentioned this before. You, you, you're trying to tell me that you've got no money, British Airways. You're trying to tell me you can't afford to keep these people on at these prices. How much does it fucking cost to get on a plane to go on holiday? Are you taking the piss? You've got no money. No, because what it says on your balance sheet is payment to this chief executive, payment to this non-executive director, payment to this politician, payment to this politician, hundreds of thousands of pounds frittered away, and it'll be the same with these owners. Well, I actually, uh, I actually used uh, the Vancouver Canucks to lease out a yacht. And if I don't pay that yacht back, then the yacht club basically gets the Vancouver Canucks. So you're going to need to sort of, you know, help me out here a bit. You're crying poverty. You've got to show me something. Show me how poor you are if you're crying poverty. And then, I, and then I'll say, fine. I, you know, okay, yeah, the players have got to do something. But until that happens, no, the players shouldn't give them shit. Not anything. It's, it's the problem with... All of these industries, you know, your airlines, your Chester Zoo, your sports teams, it's we need donations to stay afloat. Otherwise, our million billionaire owners will have to dip into their own pockets. It's oh yeah, yeah. The, the Anaheim Ducks are going to go. They're going to have to fold. Either you 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 donate some money, the, the players give up something in escrow, or God forbid, Henry Samwell is going to have to pay some money to keep his organisation afloat. Like. This this is it. It's it's as we've said. It's the <laughs> the owners are perfectly happy taking responsibility for the good times, 
and reaping in the profits and like you say taking the the seven figure salaries taking the bonuses leasing out their yachts on the on the team's name or whatever but as soon as it hits a slight bit of you know your investment your risky investment it's not just an ownership it's not like a fucking it's not like you've got a warranty on your fucking fridge and it's gone pop in six months this is an investment as soon as that goes south it's like oh well i shouldn't be responsible for this too it's the poor who should pay yeah. Do not demonise the players in this situation because compared to these owners, they are fucking poor. Well, apart from apart from Eugene, Eugene's asking fucking Jack Johnson for money, <laughs> but uh, that's a, <laughs> that's a different situation. Eugene still takes the money out of his kids' Christmas cards. <laughs> <laughs> fucking two fairies coming along. He's like, oi, oi, I'll have the tooth and the quid. <laughs> I love how Eugene's like now super cockney. Oi, oi. Here we go. Here it's we a go. Fucking tooth fairy. Give me that £25, you mug. I'll have that. <laughs> Get 70p for this, too. Fucking hell, mate. <laughs> Eugene, in my eyes. Yeah, no, it's in true. My eyes, he's, he's Fagan, in a sense, Jersey. Fucking hell, that might be the most realest thing you've ever said. <laughs> what can I say? What can I say? Dude, he is, isn't he? He absolutely is. He's Fagan, in a sense, Jersey. Jersey. Fucking hell. Just, just you wait until he's up on stage, whenever it might be, with his arm around Alexi Lafreniere, <laughs> whispering in his ear. <laughs> What's your, he's what's, played, yeah, what's your blood type, yeah, boy? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, speak, speaking of Lafreniere, it's happening tonight. I say tonight, it's already happened when you're listening to it. Who's getting Who's getting the first overall pick? I've already, I've already put on Twitter, send to get pick one and two or I fucking riot. <laughs> so, but, but is that actually your prediction, though? No. The Red Wings are getting the first overall, yeah, I reckon. That's, that's the annoyingly boring take, isn't it? Mate, if they don't, as we talked about the other week, if they don't, boy, you know they've had some. <clears throat> excuse me, they've had some chances to pick well over the past few years, and they've they've picked something like fourth, sixth, and sixth. Don't get me wrong, they're probably going to be fine players, but you need a Lafreniere or a Byfield. You know that guy is going to drive your team and make everybody kind of better around him, don't you? Yeah. And I just think it's a. There's your conspiracy for tonight. There's your conspiracy for tonight. You know, the Red Wings ball's a bit heavier or they put the ball in the fridge to make it colder or something. And, you know, I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. But I am praying. I I can't use up my sports wish because that's still ongoing and I can't tell anyone what that is in case I brew in it. But if I had an extra sports wish, it would absolutely be that the Sens get first and second tonight. But I think the Red Wings are getting it. I think I don't know if you can call it a conspiracy when the team with the best odds to win the first overall pick win the first overall pick. Like that's not. Here's the thing. Actually, how many times have the in the past few years it's not happened that much, has it? Thinking about it, the team with the first overall, legitimately first overall, if it was the old style, has then got first overall. Um, or am I just thinking wrong about that? No, I think you are right because New Jersey and. New Jersey and Philadelphia and Dallas jumped jumped into the top three in 2017. Were Buffalo the yep. worst for 2018? I think they jumped, didn't they? I think they jumped as well. What about 2019? The Devils, were they the worst? I don't think they were. I think it was the Sens or the Predators, wasn't it? Uh, sorry, the Sens and the Red Wings. That would be worth looking up if it was worth looking up. But I, th- I think you're right. Since it's become like the actual lottery and not just you are the shittest team, so you get first overall. It's, yeah, it's rare. I feel like more think. often than not, it's not happened that much that the worst team has actually got the first overall pick. 
There you go. You see, consp- the, cons- <laughs> the conspiracy, the fix is in. Well, but, but that's it. Detroit. They're going to win the lottery. The fix is in. It's it's the thing where <laughs> the best odds are eighteen and a half percent. Like that's there. There isn't. That's not good odds. Still, that's less than. No, it's not less than it's four not. to one, isn't it? Or less than five to one. Less than five to one. Yeah. Which is yeah, it's still a still a decent bet. You'd probably give it a go, but but it's still not not fantastic. Do you think Detroit get it? Yeah, I think I think it will be. Here you go. Here's my prediction: Detroit one, Senators two, and then mystery team number three. Yeah, team always. Uh, there's been like yeah, and again the past couple of years there's been a massive jump, hasn't there? I, th- I think it'll be one of the stars jump, didn't they? When they didn't the stars jump when they got high school. Yeah, they went from like, from like 12 ten to three or yeah ten or something like that. To, they they were fucking and Philadelphia that year as well. Really and then the really Flyers stretched. Well, yeah. Um, but no, I, I reckon the third team will be one of the uh, one of the playing teams. You see, not only not only is the fix in that Detroit, as a former major hockey market now in its downturn, needs to rebuild back up. Can you really see Batman and his Goonies letting the Sens have one and two? <laughs> because I can't. <laughs> I, no, I got as just as like a. If the fix is seriously in, the Sens are picking seven and eight. <laughs> somehow, I know they can't, just, but like that's what would happen somehow. Just as like a punishment for Eugene. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. Batman's sitting there saying, we're really going to give fucking Eugene Melnick, Alexis Lafreniere and Quentin Byfield? No, I'm not mental. <laughs> Don't even be a team there in a few years. Like, Batman calling Eugene into his office and saying, ah, Eugene, I've got the results of the draft lottery here. Holds up the piece of paper and it's the Sens picking one or two. It's a shame that because of people's conduct recently, they... uh had to be drawn again and just tears them up, puts them onto a fire. <laughs> oh, would you look at that? Then he holds up two new pieces of paper. One says fuck, the other says you. <laughs> I think the Arizona Coyotes will be picking first overall. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they should, shouldn't they, really? Fuck no. Just to tell the Hawk and keep his streak. I'd, I'd say the Sabres, but they clearly can't be trusted with the first overall pick. Oh, you want to talk about if the fix is in or not? What about if the Devils win again? There's, there's been suspicious. Because we talked about this last year, didn't yeah. we? And that the Devils don't seem to get as much shit from everywhere else, no, even though they've won like two out of the last three from nowhere. Nowhere near enough talk about the Devils. Devils being fucking handed a rebuild by the league. Yeah. Just fucking on the plate. Here you go. Here's your one, two. What? You need a D, man. All right. Here's Jamie Drysdale. Don't worry about it. No props. There you go, mate. They're, they're just waiting for Shane right now in 2022 or whatever it is. Just yeah, yeah. Given to him on a plate. But that'll be me tonight. I shall be on a bended knee praying to the the uh, hockey gods. You're, you're not going to step on watch it, are you? Of course I'm not. I'm not mental. <laughs> oh, debatable. Okay, now watching the draft. What am I? It's not even, okay, it's not even the draft. Offensive, though, you're watching the well, no. Draft like I said before, some offence if you're watching the draft. If you sit around and watch the draft for that long, you kind of need to reevaluate things. I think. Right, if if my, <laughs> you just look it up in the morning, or you know, if after the fact, if my team is picking in the top fifteen, I might stick around and and watch it. If if I'm picking twenty eighth overall, I'm not fucking staying up until three in the morning just to watch. And the Dallas Stars select. It. Colin Collinson from fucking Eden Prairie High School. Oh, all right, great. <laughs> I still wouldn't watch it. 
I wouldn't care if the Bruins in the middle of a rebuild and it was them going for like Lafreniere or Byfield. I'm still not staying up and watching it. Oh, fucking get out of here. If the Bruins had the first overall... Oh, that, that's different things, right? If they had the first overall pick and then you know who they're going to pick, I think that's less reason to stay up and watch. Yeah, but I'm saying though, even if like, even if they're in a lottery and they had the, if, if they were the Red Wings of tonight and they had an 18.5%, I'm still not watching it. I'm, I'm really I'm not. I'm not watching the fucking draft lottery. I'm not, I'm not staying up to watch Bill Daly flip over fucking cards. Like some fucking exactly. D-rate magician. <laughs> fucking Bill Bill Daly. Why do we give a fuck about Bill Daly? Do you, do you know what I mean? Like, why do I know what Bill Daly's fucking name is? Why do I know what he fucking looks like? Oh, God knows. Fucking Bill Daly. I hate him. I hate Bill Daly more than Gary Bettman, I think. Just because, like, what is the point of him? You're... Yeah, you know what Bill Daly is? Bill Daly's Tuesday. He's a Tuesday. He's, he's, he's the dickhead's number two. Like, how shit of a person you have to be to be the dickhead's number two yeah Tuesday is pretty shit isn't it well it doesn't have a point I mean what's the point of Tuesday what, what's the point of any seriously days, but... I can hey I'm glad you asked me that Will I will give you my little rundown right Monday Monday's Monday Monday's your oh fucking hell you know fair enough Mondays are normally shit but it has a job. I, that is its job. I, I kind Wednesday's of, middle of the week. I kind of rate a Monday, Fantastic. if I can just interject. I kind of rate a Monday because sometimes you get those like, all right, it's Monday, let's fucking have it. I'm, I'm here, I'm ready for it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, exactly, Mon- exactly. You, you feel like sometimes job. on a Monday you can charge at the week and, and do what you need to do, the- take care of some business, <laughs> right, it's a Monday, let's fucking sort this, this out, is we'll get one. this done. Now I'm going to be a, yeah. a, a reasonable human being. <laughs> this is the week, yeah. I turn it all around. Now I'm really going to learn Italian, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Wednesday is the middle of the week. Wednesday, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's the, that's its job. Okay, middle of the week, awesome. I get through today. I've got two more days to the weekend. That's brilliant. Thursday's job. Thursday's soft Friday. Yeah. So yep. Thursday's getting you ready for Friday. That's its job. Like holy shit, Friday tomorrow. Right. Cannot La- wait. Last real day of the week before. Yeah. Before Thursday's like the last actual work. <laughs> Thursday's the last actual work day of the week, if you think about it. It really is. Friday, no explanation needed. It's fucking over. Saturday, the best day. Just amazing, all day. Sunday, ah, fun in the morning. Bit scary in the afternoon, you know. Can be a bit of a, oh, fucking hell, it's Monday tomorrow. That's Sunday. Sunday is like a two-pronged job. Sunday is your two-way day. Basically, it's your two-way forward of days. <laughs> you can't fully commit to a Sunday <laughs> is the problem, can you? There are, there no. are consequences after a Sunday. That's true. Sunday is a big, a big consequence day. A big consequence day. I, th- I think... And like I say, though, Tuesday. What is Tuesday? In, in, it doesn't do anything. Well, it's, it's a mirror image of the, th- of the Thursday, where, where Thursday's a soft Friday, Tuesday's a real Monday. No. No, because... Mon- no, you, nothing can top a Monday no, from being Monday. Uh, but, Monday is Monday. But I think you get into a Tuesday, the potential stat boost of let's have it Monday has completely worn off. You're properly staring down the barrel of I've still got the majority of the week left, and all of the oomph that I had for the week was gone by eleven o'clock Monday morning. Now I just want to fucking die. <laughs> at, at least that's how my Tuesdays go. I don't know, but I can't speak for anyone else. And that's very much like the draft lottery. <laughs> Have you got to that? Oh yeah, Bill Daly. That Bill was Daly it. flips over. The, the Leafs picking at fifteen. Ah. Now I want to die. Bill <laughs> Daly flips over a card. Tuesday. I knew it. I fucking told you. <laughs> I told you it was a Tuesday. All right. Yeah, good luck for the sense tonight. 
I'm rooting for you. Mate, I'm rooting um, for you, Ottawa fans. Just for lols and just for the hilarity of it. I can't wait. Not, not to be vulgar, but I will have a massive erection if I see the, the Sens have one and two in the morning. Oh, dude. I might, I might even start drinking again if I see that. That would be like <laughs> just tears of joy. It'd be, it'd be the birth of my daughter getting married. Sends pick one and two. Is, is, I mean, is that like a, nothing else would even come close. Is that is that your um your ascending order like three two one? <laughs> yeah, three two one. Of course, yeah, of course. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everyone. Good luck to the Sens tonight. Will any last words? Fucking, I, I wanted to say Mon Eugene, but I I don't think I can fully commit to that sentiment, but. Mon, Mon, uh, Mark Boriecki. There we go. Yeah, Mon Borrow Cop. That'll do. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Peace.